Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. <clears throat> Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. All the links to our social media outlets are in the descriptions to all the episodes. And please share the links with the fr- with your friends to the show so that we can continue to spread the word of the herd, so to speak, each and every week. Russell, you got a big game to preview this weekend. I know you're heading down to South Carolina to the Myrtle Beach area, which is <laughs> basically... West Virginia, like South, <laughs> I guess you want to call it. Uh, so we, that's going to be the emphasis on this show. We got nothing else but a game preview. So let's go ahead and get started after this quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people just like you with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Okay, well, we're going down to Conway, South Carolina. You're actually physically making the trip. Uh, I'm, of course, going to be stuck back here at home watching on TV, but the game will be on NFL Network should be really uh, accessible for most folks. Coastal Carolina, a lot of upheaval in the offseason. New coach, Grayson McCall in the portal, out of the portal. Will he go? Won't he go? Turns out he stays. But I don't think this is the season that a lot of Coastal Carolina fans were expecting to have based on what they had last year. Four and three currently, same boat as the herd. Uh, Coastal Carolina's two and two in conference, whereas Marshall's just one and two in conference. So I think these two fan bases are kind of uh, feeling a lot of the similar things. You know, they had expectations that were a little higher, and the record doesn't indicate that those expectations are necessarily being met to this point. Nonetheless, the game's going down Saturday, October 28th, 6 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. This is just the second all time meeting between the herd and the uh, Chanticleers. Of course, Coastal got the win last year in Huntington, 24-13, to 13, after they jumped out to that quick 21-point lead in the first quarter, and then basically Marshall shut them down on defense, but it was just too much too soon, and the Herd could not overcome that early barrage of points by Coastal. Uh, power index and, and the line, it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, power index favors Coastal. They're giving the Herd just 40% chance to win on the road, but – Vegas sees this as the herd minus four in an over under of 45 and a half, puts you right in that 24 to 21 score range. So, thoughts on this one as we head into Saturday? Well, it's not just uh, ESPN's FPI that's uh, off. You mentioned Vegas, but also if you've ever followed at Stats O War, mm-hmm. Parker Fleming on Twitter, uh, for any of our listeners out there, they have us as a 64.7% chance to win. And it's in that 23 and a half to almost 18 uh, range on the points. They do a bunch. This was before McCall was going to be out. So they do a lot of matchups and expected uh, 
um, expected success rate, that sort of thing, yeah. rankings and all that. So it's one of these that looks like it would have been close if Ali and McCall were both playing. One is pretty much ruled out in, in uh, McCall and Ali. I'm going to go ahead and say is doubtful, even though he's listed as questionable. I'm just going to assume he's not going to play for, yeah. for everything that I'm saying today. So I think that overall it kind of looks like could have been a push at their house. Man, I'm thinking now it looks like a Marshall victory. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, it, that's an interesting take, right? Because a lot of the – I mean, this is no – knock on anybody else on either of these two rosters, but from a marquee matchup type thing, the star power, it may not mm-hmm. appear in this game, and that's McCall and Ali, and there's nobody yeah. that's going to question that. That's the two marquee players that everybody was wanting to see, you know, and, and it's wild to think that in two years of playing them, these two players will not go up against each other, right? Because Ali was out last year. McCall is highly doubtful, according to Coach Tim Beck this week, but – He's not going to further comment on it, so I'm with you. I don't think he's going to play. Um, and you heard Co- Coach Huff yesterday in his uh, in his presser say that um, he, he's not ruling Ali out, but you know you got to kind of read between the lines to see. Yeah. He did say I'm not putting anybody's child on the field that's not ready to go and able to you know to play to keep from uh, injuring themselves further. So. You just got to take that with a grain of salt. We may be without Rasheen Ali yet again for a second straight game. But does that offset – does that mean more to Marshall's success than Grayson McCall means to Coastal Carolina's success, I think is the big question. And um, based on what we saw against James Madison, that's a that's a good question to ask. you know. But Coastal's defense is not James Madison's defense, so let's say right. that. And it it is a very good question. It's a valid question. But I think when we start talking, you and I, about our keys and some of these percentages and how they stack up, I think it might become a little more clear, at least from my perspective, on how this game may go down. Yeah, I I think the big questions obviously always lie in – tendencies that do not uh, factor in the players that are out. So Marshall's defense tendencies, even though they've got some players dinged up, and Coastal's defensive tendencies, those should relatively remain the same, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the offensive drop-off for both sides is probably going to occur, but uh, it seems like your three-time defending conference player of the year being out would have a far greater impact on your team's success than your star running back being out. But, again, Marshall was unable to score last week offensively. So, take it for what it's worth. But let's talk about some of these players. And, yeah, we have to talk about Grayson McCall, McCall because Tim Beck left the door cracked. You know, they, so you can't – he didn't rule him out. So, you have to at least talk about him and what he's done to, you know, on the off chance that he plays. Uh, so, let's start there. D- number 10 quarterback, Grayson McCall, six foot three, 220-pound senior. 151 out of 224 on the season, 1,919 yards, 10 touchdowns and six interceptions. This is very, a very much different type of season for McCall. He's done a great job historically of taking care of the football. And not that he's not a good quarterback because he is a good quarterback, but I think it speaks more so to the new system that he's playing in. I mean, he just knew um, – he he just he just knew Chadwell's system frontward and backward, and they just complemented one another so well that it's a lot of new for him. And now he's not taking as good of care of the football. Fifty three carries on the season for just forty eight yards, I think, might be the biggest eye opening stat for McCall. And just one touchdown on the ground. He's been sacked twelve times. Now, 
the quarterback that we expect to see. Number seven, quarterback Jarrett Guest, the only other quarterback I think on the roster to have thrown a pass this year. Six foot three, two hundred pound senior, four of five on the year for 128 yards, one touchdown, a long of 64 yards, four carries for 10 yards, and one touchdown on the ground. He's been sacked no times, but he's barely played. Now I should say the bulk of his production came against the coastal game, the coastals game against Duquesne. So not even a one a FBS opponent, a 1AA FCS opponent, where um, Guest went two for three for 104 of those yards, including that 64-yarder. Running back, number one, Braden Bennett, 6'2", 215. He's a junior. Leads the team in carries with 72. Leads the team in yards with 344. And leads the team with touchdowns on the ground with four. He's got a long of 21 and an average yard per carry of 4.8. A couple of wide receivers we got to take talk about because they're really good. Uh, number 15, wide receiver Sam Pinckney. I think this is who I was thinking about. I don't know why I thought he transferred in or came from Georgia State, but this is the guy I was thinking about when we were talking about Georgia State. Uh, six foot four, 220 pounds. He's a senior. Leads the team in catches, yards, and touchdowns, 39, 565, and four. Uh, good for 15 and a half or four, 14 and a half yards per reception with a long of 52. And then number 14, Jared Brown, six foot 190. He's a sophomore, just behind Pinckney in, in a lot of these categories 33 catches, 411 yards, and just one touchdown on the ground. He does account for 12 and a half yards per reception with a long of 51. Uh, bullet points for me for this coastal offense, they're scoring 29.7 points per game. How will that change in this one? I would think drastically. Um, on 447 yards gained offensively per game. Also a, a category I think will be drastically different. But how they've done so far, far more pass heavy than run heavy. Almost a 2 to 1 ratio really. 292 through the air per game, 155 on the ground. Here's the thing for me. They spread the ball around and they rely on many, many players to contribute to the success of this team. They have six pass catchers with at least 10 receptions and 150-plus yards. They have, of those six, it's four wide receivers, one tight end, and one running back. Five of those six have a touchdown. And then they have four runners with at least 120 yards and a touchdown, three running backs, and one wide receiver. Now, running back Braden Bennett, wide receivers Sam Pinckney, and Jared Brown appear on both of those lists. So they really do spread it around, but those three guys that we highlighted are really the three guys that you have to try to neutralize if you're a herd defense. Russ, what are you feeling about this uh, Chanticleer's offense right now? Well, so even when you look, you mentioned McCall's numbers being down. Even when you look at McCall being in here, uh, this is not what you would think 10 touchdowns, six interceptions, you know, uh, 67.4% completion rate, that's good. 1,900 yards on the year, that's good. Mm-hmm. 10 touchdowns, six interceptions is almost the anti-Grayson Call experience on what you have come to expect from him. Maybe throwing two to three interceptions on the year was was what you expected from him. Yeah. But besides that Duquesne game of 66 to 7, they have scored – an outlier because that was against UCLA the first game of the year, first game of new system on the road, that sort of thing. They scored 13 points. Mm-hmm. Then they, they scored 30, not counting Duquesne. Then they scored 17, they scored 28, they scored 27 and they scored 27. They seem to be right around that 27 to 30 mark without some outliers. That is also 
kind of not where you might expect this lots of good wide receivers got Grayson McCall. You would expect them to be putting up 30 as maybe the floor, not 30 as their ceiling. Right. So I'm not really that worried. That was with McCall and this is McCall being out guest. Uh, I went back and looked at what he did last year. And when he played in more time, when McCall was out, it was not very good. Uh, we're talking, you know, 40 to 50% completions and some interceptions. I think it was one touchdown, four interceptions. Um, he's a senior. He's been around, uh, could be capable, but it just does not seem like it's going to be a major, major threat. And I hope I don't have to eat those words, but having him in there seems like it's going to be a huge drop off from Grayson McCall. And with McCall, 30 seemed to be their ceiling without him. I'm kind of expecting it not to be anywhere near 30. Yeah. And that's fair, right? You may dude, anything we can, anything we say could turn around and be completely wrong and we might have right. to eat a little crow, yeah. but, but yeah. the numbers and are just backing up. They are backing up what you're saying. This is a Grayson sure. McCall that may be out six interceptions on the year. Yeah. Very uncharacteristic. You're talking about a guy in three years that had eight combined interceptions, you know, yeah. this, it's just not the same offense this year. So it, I think it, what's, what's really potentially biting that. And I don't know the inner workings of their recruiting. I think they needed to bring in a portal quarterback, you know, as an insurance policy, much like Marshall did so that somebody that's had some production at another stop and has been in big games at other places. So if something does happen, McCall happen to McCall, like now you've got a guy that's been in the fire instead of a guy that's been with coastal and no disrespect to guess, but you said it, he's just not performed very well in, in, uh, in backup duty or in mop-up duty, whatever the case may be. So this is a really big barrier in front of Coastal Carolina. Now the kid could come out and, and go apeshit and, and have career highs and all kinds of stuff, but it just doesn't feel like it's set up to happen this week. And last year he didn't have good numbers. This year, and I, again, Duquesne, he was two for three with 104 yards. You got a 64-yarder, and that only leaves a 40-yarder. So – it, it's one of those situations where, you know, he could come in and ball out. Sure. You know, sure. he's a, he's a senior. He's not going to be, uh, you would feel rattled at this point. Uh, but again, that was against lower competition in Duquesne and it's a very limited sample size. Yep. So what you're not going to see in, in a Duquesne secondary is guys like Micah Abraham and mm -hmm. Deani Hill. Yeah. And, and you know, Marshall's secondary is taking a huge hit, right? J.J. Roberts mm -hmm. will not be back there this mm -hmm. week. So another one of those, all right, well, will they play down a little bit because, you know, a big component of that secondary will not be out on the field. I still like our guys, you know, when we did position group break, break, breakdowns, we talked about how – potentially really deep this secondary unit is. And I think this is the case of that you still get you. So what are you going to see extra reps for guys like Josh Moten and carry on Martin? And you know, these guys that play great ball anyway. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be uh, enough of a um, factor that just leads to direct huge success for this coastal Carolina quarterback. It, it doesn't seem like the right time to catch the herd defense off of the heels of their best performance team wise against a really good James Madison team, and now you're without your best player in Grayson McCall with a team against a herd team that's we hope has found its groove defensively. So mm -hmm. let's talk about this uh, 
coastal defense. There's got I got a quartet of guys we've got to cover, and it's yeah. going to start with number zero, the cornerback Juan Powell, five foot eleven, one hundred ninety pound senior, leads the team in total tackles with forty two. Twenty four of those are solo, and he's got three passes defended. Number twenty two, he's a safety, Clayton Isbell, six foot two, two twenty, another senior. Uh, 38 tackles on the year. Number two or number one leads the team in solo tackles with 27. He's got three interceptions on the season and five passes defended. Then you move it down to the uh, front seven there. Number 94 defensive line Michael Mason, six foot three, 280. He's a senior, 35 tackles, 13 solo. Get this. A sack and a half is tied for the team lead. They have two mm-hmm. players with one and a half sacks, and that leads the team. Yeah. Uh, and was one pass defended for Mr. Mason. Lastly, we'll talk about number one linebacker Shane Bruce, six foot two thirty-five pound junior, thirty-five tackles, fourteen of those solo, one interception, and one pass defended. Impact plays, I think, are pretty eye-opening for this coastal defense because they're really not there. You've got. Seven total team sacks through seven games. Like I mentioned, one and a half leads the team. There's two guys. So you got two guys that account for three of your seven. They do have eight interceptions on the year, which is pretty good. Two of those have been pick sixes, which is pretty nice. Uh, Just five forced fumbles and four fumble recoveries. I don't think this Coastal Carolina team, when when I see an impact stat line like that, it doesn't make me feel like they swarm and they're trying to attack the football. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. makes me feel like they're just trying to tackle and, and end the play before it turns into something bigger. Uh, this defense allows 22.7 points per game on 400 yards allowed per game. And, uh, they give up more pass yards than they do rush yards, 251 through the air and 149 on the ground. So I, I can't say that I'm overly impressed with, any one person and the defensive unit as a whole for this coastal team, it's, it's kind of wild. I was expecting, knowing nothing about them, I was expecting them to maybe excel in one category. You know, like, why? I mean, eight interceptions is pretty nice, but that's not like mind blowing. It's not 16. You know what I mean? I, w- I would have expected to see something that was uh, in the impact play category that really opened my eyes, and I'm not seeing that. Well, let me tell you, Michael Mason uh, last year had seven and a half sacks Mm -hmm. and he was a uh, big part of their front defensive line last year and everything. He's already there right around there on uh, tackles where he was last year, but he just has not been getting to the quarterback, but he is a threat to do so. Uh, Another guy that you did not mention, Tobias Fletcher, a safety. He only has 15 tackles on the year, but he does have two of their interceptions one for 38 yards and one for 100 yards. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a, a very athletic, fast safety back there um, with uh, also a sack on the year. He's almost tied for the team lead, you know. Right, yeah. You know, but coming from the safety position, he's somebody that you're also going to have to watch. You're right, overall, nothing stands out as a huge threat, but. They do have an experienced secondary. Most of them are upperclassmen. They've been around a while, uh, so you shouldn't have to worry about as many mistakes that they're making. Sometimes if you're just playing solid defense, if you don't have, if you're playing defense as a team and you're playing solid with a lot of upperclassmen, it can cause you just as many problems as if you're playing a more athletic or a more dynamic, I would say, uh, group of individuals that are standing out for 
being a uh, an interception threat, being a sack threat, that sort of thing. So there is some experience here that we're playing against. Yeah, absolutely. This is a this is a very a, a very senior heavy team. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to hurry up and count them all, but there are so many. I only got through the offense, and there were 14 players that are listed as a senior on offense, and there are more than that on defense. So let me yeah. just say that. There are more than that. So these are guys that have been around, played a lot of football, been in a lot of big games, been behind and had comebacks and been ahead yeah. and, and seen leads slip away. So there's probably not too much that Marshall's going to throw at them that they haven't seen and um, can sniff out, right? So it, it, this is not a cakewalk in the park, a, a, an easy beach trip weekend for the herd. That's not what we're trying to give the vibe that's happening. All we're saying is it just feels like this is not the same coastal team that we played last year. And I know it's right. not because every team is different, but they had that quick strike capability last year. And even if they had it this year, it may be, it might have dissipated for this game with the absence of McCall, right? And they don't uh, turn you over a lot, it doesn't feel like, where Marshall is pretty good at getting a turnover or two a game in general. So, you know, you might think that th you might see that number rise with a fresh quarterback playing this defense. Let's mention the uh, place kicker. You know, they started the season with a different kicker than field goal struggles have forced a change. So now the Place kicker is number 25, Cade Hensley, 5'10", 190-pound sophomore, just four of five on the season for a long of 38 and eight of eight on extra points, but far more consistent. I think the uh, the other kicker was you know hovering just above 50%, and but he was perfect on extra points. So they made the switch to try to solidify that. We'll see if it plays a factor in this game. But, uh, you know, Vierhoff has, has been doing a – Pretty good job for the herd here, so I'm going to edge to uh, Reese because outside of game number two, when uh, he was not handling the kicking duties, he's kind of been back to back in the groove and, and performing pretty well for the herd in in, in uh, opportunities afforded to him. All right, Russ, it's time for where the most important part of this episode is going to be. It's keys to victory, right? Because yeah. there's so much un unknown. Well, mm -hmm. let's figure out what the herd's got to do based on what we think we know and may not know for the herd to get a dub. So what's your number one key to victory this week? Well, this is the biggest no-brainer uh, for me. Someone's going to say, how's that a key? That's what you got to do every game. But Marshall's going to have to score points. Their offense has got to have a rebound game. And that, to me, I never rank these, but I'm going to rank that one this time. Our offense has got to score. We've got to score points. Obviously, you have to score to win a game, but, I mean, we cannot rely on defensive points, extra or special teams points, that sort of thing, to get us through this one. Our offense has to find ways to put points on the board, and we need to do it in a major way for not just this game to come through with a victory, but for our fan base and the confidence of everyone to say, yes, we got shut down by James Madison, but we do still have the capability of doing it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, right? Because my number one key to victory, usually I, I, I don't rank these either except for number one. Number one is usually the most important thing to me. And would it surprise you to know that my number one key to victory this week is Marshall must score offensively, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, Ollie, question mark. Is he going to play? Will he play? If he plays, how much will he play, right? Will he, try, will he at least dress to give the impression that he's playing? Uh, is Cam still going to be limited? Did one of those ankles heal up well enough to keep him a little bit more mobile? Are both of them good to go to where he can protect himself better and, ev and evade a pass rush that, while not, not non-existent, 
isn't very fierce for Coastal Carolina. So I think the Marshall's got to put up three offensive touchdowns. I think that's the minimum that you have to put up to win this game. You can't rely on your defense to score. You can't get into a field goal kicking battle. We can't do that, right? And if this defense and special teams unit plays like we saw against James Madison, it should be doable. Because mm -hmm. how many times are we probably going to get pinned at the one-yard line in this game? Probably not four, you know, probably not inside the 15-yard line six or seven times, right? We're going to have some opportunities here to score points. So if we can get a little bit of groove going early, maybe build a little momentum, I, this seems like a very winnable game for the Herd. If you played that James Madison game, 100 times i don't think that there would have been one other time in those other 99 that we would have gotten pinned to the one yard line three times six within 11 yards i just right. don't see it happen. it's just such rarefied air and i say that yeah. term a lot but that's just such a rare thing it was just it was their night from from a kicking standpoint right so i don't see that happening this game and even if it does happen a couple of times I like our chances to move the ball on a Coastal Carolina defense far better than consistently going 99 yards on a James Madison defense, right? Mm -hmm. So what's your number two key to victory? Eliminate the big plays. You know, we did that for the most part last week. We had two that uh, were really stand out. Uh, but all year long, the big plays had been a problem for us. But get this, and these are just the longs for each individual player at Coastal. This doesn't mean like they don't have three or four other big plays right underneath these, but these right. are the longs. Uh, on throws, 63 for McCall, but 64, you already mentioned, for guest. Uh, you've got longs on runs. You've got 77 by wide receiver, Brown. 41 by the third string quarterback, the other only other person to throw a pass in oh, okay. Vasco. Um, he had a 41-yard run. Uh, 34 by Kikendall, uh, 34 by Balthazar, 21 and 21 by Bennett and Beasley, 22 by Simpkins. Uh, a lot of chunk plays right there just from the rushes. Listen to the wide receivers. Again, we don't have McCall, but 52, 51, 51, 64, 32, 63, 26, 33, 40. Mm -hmm. All of those are chunk plays, and that was a good nine receivers, uh, both being tight ends, running backs, and the wide receivers there. So a lot of big plays. Two of those, we had a 40 and a 64 by Guest, uh, who is going to probably be the starter. We have got to eliminate those big plays. That has been how they have scored their points this year, immediately flipping the field or immediately taking it to the house. Yep, that's true, and and it's not like every game has been against Duquesne. You know, you've mm -hmm. mentioned they've played some pretty good teams. They played UCLA, they played Georgia State and Georgia Southern already. Lost to mm -hmm. both of those teams, had a bounce back game against Appalachian State in a tight one where they won late. Um, McCall absolutely went off in that game, almost three hundred and seventy five yards passing. So you know, all of this is is off the table right now. Right. This comeback ability, this not all of it, but a lot of the uh, passing threat is gone. You would think until I see it, it's it's not there. Right. That's kind of how I do Marshall a lot. So I'm doing that to Coastal Carolina this week, too. Uh, my number one or my number two key to victory for the herd this week is you absolutely have to swarm the quarterback on 
defense because he's not been in the fire as much as McCall. He's played ball. He's seen things, but he hasn't seen as much as McCall has. And let's face it, Marshall's got a pretty fast defense still yet, even though they give up the big play, which is always the great equalizer when you're trying to get after the quarterback. You don't have to necessarily get to him to affect him, right? You have to make him think about things. What can you do pre-snap to, to disguise what you're actually trying to do to make him think a little bit harder, to make him hesitate that split second so that, you know, Micah Abraham can close that half a step to make the pass def deflection or can Owen Porter get around the corner and make that extra half a step to actually get a hand and knock the football loose. It's those type of things. So it's it's all about pressuring the hell out of QB1 for Coastal this week, whoever it is. We're just assuming it's going to be guessed. So we saw a great performance by this herd defense as a team last week. It became, uh, you know, they, they got some things that worked against them later in the game because Marshall wasn't moving the ball, so they would come off the field and have to go right back on the field, right? So as long as also that doesn't happen late in the game, I think Marshall's going to be pretty okay with what they – normally do. They won't have to get sexy and extravagant to have success against this Coastal Carolina team. The pass rushers are there. The run stoppers are there. We're having great games out of individual guys in the secondary. If we can put it all together again this week, set a new floor, I think we'll be okay. What's your number three? Well, I'm going to bounce around since you just mentioned that one, and I'll do this one next. Uh, I said that you have to get to guest early and often. And much like you were saying, you do not have to sack a person it can be QB hurries. It can be forcing them out of the pocket, disrupting their timing on their uh, dropbacks, that sort of thing. Uh, if they are throwing now, we, I, I haven't watched every play of every game of coastal. It just doesn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. That you don't get to do that seven games into the season. But I have to imagine some of these have been yards after catch. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get a 77 yard run by a wide receiver without it being an end around jet sweep, something like that. But on these catches that are 51, 51, 54, 64, I have to imagine a lot of them are yards after catch. You're not seeing 51 yards in the air, 64 yards in the air, but I have to imagine that a lot of these have been 30 or 40 in the air. What's that take? It's got to have some time to be able to throw it that far. You've got to get let time for the play develop and the route to, to be ran to get to that point. So if you can take this inexperienced quarterback and eliminate that, that's going to help you eliminate those big play threats by just getting to him and forcing him to have to get rid of it earlier. And hopefully that will lead to these athletic wide receivers that they have not having as much opportunity as they would with or without McCall. Yeah, I think that another thing to consider is they've only allowed 12 sacks to McCall on the year. So this offensive line is pretty good. You know, they do a good job of, of buying him time. Now, yes, you have to play into some of the things you're saying. He's probably quicker at getting the ball out. He's more comfortable on the offense. He doesn't have to think about it as long or as much. And that plays in. We know that, right? We saw Cam Limited last week in his mobility. It affects your timing. And, and we saw James Madison rack up a bunch of sacks. And some of those were directly related to his inability to be as mobile and act as quickly. So uh, getting to the quarterback is, is yeah, it's a football 101 thing, but it's amplified this week, right? Um, number three, did you just do number three? I did number three for me. Okay. It's your turn. So my number three is uh, protect the football. Marshall did a pretty good job of that last week. They still had two turnovers. They were fairly costly. 
but in a game that points may be at a premium, you know, as long as Ali is out, we don't have we have the sample size that's super small that says, well, if we don't have Ali, we don't score, right? That's that's the only correlation you can make right now because that's what was played out last week. So if that turns out to be the case, points will be hard to get for Marshall again, then you absolutely can't gift possessions to your opponent and you can't take yourself out of any scoring drives, right? I can only go off of what I see. Now, could somebody come out and break loose? Yeah, probably could. But until it happens, I don't know that that you can uh, really say anything else. And, and turnovers just kill you anyway. So mm-hmm. he did a pretty good job there a couple of weeks ago cleaning it up. You know, Cam played a pretty clean game. No underthrown balls this week. You know, your guy or no guy, right? That's what it's got to be. Um, so what's your uh, number four? The red zone battle. Who is going to walk off the field with the most points per red zone attempt? We actually do a much better job than Coastal at this. And it's one of those things, if you look at the percentages, you're like, well, that's not that much better. But the way the rankings go, it's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um we need to not get a field goal when we can get a touchdown. We need to not get a um, a field goal. I mean, we need to get a field goal instead of walking off, being stymied, get a penalty that backs you up out of field goal range or mm-hmm. makes you go for it on fourth and four or something like that, fourth and whatever, uh, to where you cannot get a touchdown. We have got to score when we get into the red zone because – they don't do very well at that, so we need to capitalize on that. That was with McCall that they mm-hmm. didn't do very well, and we need to capitalize when we get down there. Now, you can look at a lot of this and pin it right on the switch of the kicker. If their kicker was not that they've already replaced, uh, I think he's missed three or four in 30 to 39 yards. Mm-hmm. Well, that's inside the red zone. and that would help them a lot with their percentage. So maybe it looks better now that they've uh, replaced their kicker, but I still think if we can score and capitalize on those scores, touchdown over field goal, field goal over walking away with a zero, it's going to rack up and we'll be able to win the game. It feels like until you see it again, if Marshall can stop any coastal drives from entering the 25, because that pushes you out to that 40 plus field goal range, you know, then you might see some of that success that you really need to see. The long on the year is, what did I, what did I say, 38 or 36 for uh, for their kicker. So, you know, make them try from 40, from 40 plus, you know. But, yes, that's technically outside the red zone. It is outside the red zone. The 20 is the red zone. So if you can just five more yards back, it, it could really make a difference on what this herd defense is able to do and what this uh, coastal offense is unable to do from a point standpoint. Number four for me, this is my kind of off-the-cuff key to victory. I think somebody offensively has to just step up and break out in this game because you can't just rely on Rasheen Ali to be your explosive offense, mm-hmm. if, especially if he's not going to play. If he's going to miss – you know, last week, this week. What if he misses another two weeks? We need all of. We need to start stringing wins together, right? Yeah. So, who's the next guy? You always talk about it's next man up. Okay, so who's the next man up? That's the explosive weapon in your offense now, right? It could be Cam Fancher if he was on two healthy ankles, but we can't assume that he is. So, who's going to break out? Ethan Payne, 
We know he can do it on the ground and through the air. Is it is it time that you see a coming out for smoke? Is it his turn to break out? Is it Demarcus Harris's turn to break out, stretch the field, and be that receiving threat that Marshall fans have clamored for, that downfield threat for several years now? Or is it a guy like Mason Pierce, who's a catch-and-run type of guy, who can also make waves in the return game, who can also do that little screen pass that goes for 40? Somebody has got to add a new wrinkle to this offense and be the guy that now, moving forward, in addition to Rasheen Ali, that opposing defenses go, okay, we've got to stop that guy too because he just lit Coastal Carolina up, you know. So we need to see some big old career numbers for somebody. I'd like to see it for a couple of somebodies. I'd actually go so far as to say I think Marshall needs a 100-yard rusher in this game and a 100-yard receiver in this game, you know, to to comfortably feel good about progress without Ali. Like I, I just kind of feel like that. Now, you, yeah, you can say, well, we're not really doing that with him in the lineup. Okay, well, that just stands the reason you need to do it without him. <laughs> right. Uh, so who's your MVP for this week? I think it's got to be Cam Fancher. Ali's not going to play. I think uh, Fancher has got to be the guy. Uh, the fan base is going to need to see him be the guy. We've covered that a lot on how we feel unfair against him uh, this entire year. Uh, we feel like he needs to have one of those big games. Mm-hmm. And I think there's not a better time now to come off of the game that we had last year with the off or last week with the offense, not scoring at all to going into this game. I think that he has to put up big numbers and lead the team and be the MVP. Yeah. And I'd like to remind everybody that this game last year against Coastal was Cam's first ever 300 yard passing performance. He outplayed Grayson McCall on the stat line. Uh, in every category but touchdowns, you know, and and it was that early barrage, like I said earlier, that led to the the herd losing. And then after they lost to Coastal, they didn't lose for the rest of the season. So keep it in perspective. Cam's already performed well against a Coastal Carolina defense, and you're absolutely right. He's my MVP too for this week. He's got to have a big bounce-back performance. You know, we were so accustomed to seeing Cam – at that 60-65% completion percentage. He he's he's always edging up around that two, you know, 200 and 250 type deal. And and his legs account for some more production. So how much of a go is he gonna be? I don't know. So I can't account for him. Ha- well, he'll get 70 yards on the ground. I don't know that. Right. So in lieu of one of the elements of his game maybe not being at hundred percent or or close enough to hundred percent to be a factor. He's just got to be the guy. He's got to he's got to cut loose and make the right reads and protect the football and and move the herd down the field. That's just what you have to have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a I'm going to tell you what though. I'm going to give a supporting MVP role to a guy that I usually don't uh, talk about. And I think this week's supporting MVP is going to be Tyquez Legs because he's been making some big plays along that defensive line and we know that Marshall needs to take away that chunk play, that run chunk play and I think he's the guy that is going to have the most opportunity to get the first hat on that guy you know what I'm saying so tackle as legs I think from a from a herd defensive uh, line position defensive tackle position is going to play a big role and I think he's going to be a potential MVP in this game even though his overall stat line might not say well that's not an MVP he had three tackles or something like that I don't think that that's necessarily it. You know, it's it's the it's the blocking, it, it's uh, shedding the blocks. It's you know 
disrupting the plays. He's been doing a really good job of that, and I think if he can amplify and, and notch that up one time this game, it's going to be huge for the herd defense. You got a score prediction for me? I do. I'm going 27-17, Marshall. Okay. Uh, before you got into the stats of war and and what they predicted, this felt like a that similar type of game for me too. Um, I have a 24-17 to herd, so – we're right there in the same ballpark, but I like us. I like us to go down to South Carolina, get a win, get back on the right track. And I'm going to say this is I'm going to transition right into my final words, and then I'll kick it over to you. This is as much of a must-win game as Marshall has faced this season. This might be the first must-win game because you win this game, you're five and three and two and two. Right now, we're tied for I think the bottom in in the Sun Belt East standings with Appalachian State. They're on the schedule next week, right? Mm-hmm. And Coastal Carolina with a loss will fall uh, behind the herd in the loss column. So you will leapfrog Coastal Carolina. And depending on how the rest of the weekend plays out, if Georgia Southern goes and beats Georgia State, that helps the herd out. They're going to have to lose at least to two or three to you know to for the herd to leapfrog them. So the odds are stacked against us, but this is a must win because this gets you from you know four and three to five and three. Otherwise you're looking at four and four and one and three in conference. Then you start to go, okay, can we go two and two down the stretch with with App State and South Alabama and Georgia Southern and Arkansas State left on the schedule? So this is a must-win game for the herd, in my opinion. I think the the uh, the optics of five and three A just look better, obviously, but the optics of not losing four straight after winning four straight are the more important thing for the players, coaches, and the fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a whole so that's my take on on it this week i like the herd 24 to 17 give me some final words if you got them winning does cure all i mean it does it does just about everything that you you want uh, at least from the fan base uh you could have a situation where you're not playing your best football and you come out with a win and there's going to be a lot less people jumping off the bandwagon jumping off the cliff that sort of thing So I am in agreement with you that we have got to come out with a victory here, but we got to put two or three of them in a row together and it's going to be tough. This is still a tough coastal team Mm -hmm. Uh, without McCall. They've got plenty of weapons. This is going to be a tough stretch. This was one of those uh, stretches in a year to end to end schedule that was just full of tough games. This is not a cakewalk. This is the toughest G five division in football and i hate that term you know i hate that term but if everybody's going to use it that's the what i'm going to use to let them know how tough it is mm-hmm. the Sun Belt east is the toughest and every week you can face a shootout you can face a defensive battle you can face just about whatever in between there are tough teams and coastal's one of them we've got to come out with a victory uh, for me personally, I'll be down there. I've already had a bunch of people say, Hey, swing by, find me that sort of thing. So if you see me down there, make sure to holler at me or whatever. don't know what I'm going to be wearing yet. Maybe I'll snap a photo or something before I head to the tailgate. Well, I think we both are in agreement that the herd absolutely has to get a week, a win this weekend. A lot of, uh, a lot of, wound licking will go away you know because that just it just means it's just time we need to win we need to get back on the right track 
you know, you you really want to beat Coastal. You really want to beat App State. You really want to beat Georgia Southern. You got to win against those Sun Belt East Division teams. It's not that it's not more uh, as important to to beat South Alabama and Arkansas State. It absolutely is. But mm-hmm. this is Sun Belt East Division games. You need to be able to win those games, right? Yep. So, Russ, if you got nothing else, take us out of here. Now, whether you see us at the camp, whether you see us at the Joan, or whether you see us down in Conway, tailgating it up and coming home with a victory. No matter where you see us, we're going to be saying, go Herd. Go Herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week with a Coastal Carolina recap. Later. Later.